This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. How you doing? Hope you're well. Thank you so much for downloading our show. Coming up, we're all off to the tattoo parlour. I went online looking for neck tattoos, mate. That's what yeah. I went. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to get? You're going to get Fight Disciples. I'm going to get one right across my throat, mate. Right across the Adam's apple, so it moves every time I talk. That's I'm, I'm, I'm getting high tech. No, oh, my, yeah. <laughs> The high-tech sign. The high-tech sign across your neck. <laughs> we discussed the highlights of Badu Jack versus James DeGale. But for a split second, then he was going to throw a dig. That, I imagine that would have that been That would have been so class. Funny. If yeah, he'd yeah. have chucked one back, that would have been <laughs> And apps. dropped him. Imagine if he'd have dropped Badu Jack. <laughs> and Nick's special guest is here. The 61-year-old world title challenger. I've just got back from a 10-mile run. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Fantastic. What a lad. Fantastic. Super, mate. Super. Oh, yeah, I've just done a 10 mile run after a training session. Fair play, man. Man, it don't get no easier, I'll give you that. <laughs> You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome to episode 67 of the Fight Disciples podcast. Every Wednesday, we dish out the boxing chats. Um, I hope you are well. Thank you so much for downloading. If you don't subscribe, please go to iTunes. We are there, at Fight Disciples. Go and have a little bit of a nosy. And we're also on all social medias if you fancy joining us um, for the daily discussion on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, at Fight Disciples. Where do we start with this, mate? Where do we start with this? Let's get the, let's get, you know... The elephant in the room out of the way. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that first and then we go on to the good stuff. Because I've, I've brought my scorecard to the studio. Did you? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's in my head. I know what I'm doing. Do you? <laughs> you see, got it. when I watched it live, yeah, I I lost track of scoring, and the reason why I lost track of scoring is because I don't think I've ever put so many ten ten rounds in in one particular fight. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Early. Uh, you talking about early on, or you talking about the second half of the fight? Um, more early on. Because I know I had, I had the gale like six two up at one point. I had DeGale starting really well, as yeah. James DeGale always does. Yeah. Then James DeGale, for some reason, he says, thinks to himself that it's a little bit easy. This Going for a coffee. Yeah, I'm going to go for a brew. And then he lets a decent fighter back into it. By no means, or any stretch of the imagination, is, um, is Badu Jack a world-class fighter, in my opinion. He's good. He's good. Mm-hmm. And he surprised me, I suppose, at the weekend. But I think he surprised me at the weekend mainly because um, James DeGale allowed him to surprise me. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, and as I say, I watched it as I promised. I watched it with me with me Cheerios on Sunday morning. I never stayed up for it because uh, you know I knew James DeGale. I would have been banging my head against the brick wall watching him fight, and that's exactly what happened. Got to the middle, you know, I avoided I avoided everything. I got up. I didn't even look at my phone. I went straight downstairs. Took the kids with me. Threw the three bowls of Cheerios down, and we and we blasted away. And uh, you know, it got to the middle of the fight. As I say, I, I, at one point I had James six two up, and I was just like, I think it was after would have been after seven rounds. Obviously, the first round was a, a, a ten eight round, so I was like, no, he, he can't, he can't. Oh yeah, he can. Goes yes, for he can. One, Even man. going into the twelfth, I was like, okay, you've got it. Don't worry, you've nicked it. Just stay on your feet. So you've how did yours it. finish up then? How did yours finish up? How did your scorecard finish? I didn't, to be honest, and I hate myself for admitting it. I did it as a draw. Fucking hell! I scored it as a draw. Well, I had De Gale up going into the last round. Me too. And then 
But I had him up by one going into the last round. So a 10-8 round scores it 115-114 on right. my card to Badu Jack. I had him two up. All he had to do was stay on his feet. He all, he, all he had to do was stay on his feet. He wins it by one point mm. in, on my card. Mm. I, I hate it. I hate scoring fights as a draw. Mm. But uh, it was just... It, it's He's so frustrating. He promised us... You know, he, the guys, as we know, a good friend of ours, Gareth Gareth Davis was out there, you know, all the British press were out there, and everyone's asking him the same thing. James, are you going to fall asleep in the middle rounds? Are you going to stay on it? Because, you know, that's what you do. And he and he reiterated, it's definitely not going to happen. My corner team have been told, Jimmy's been told, do not let me go to sleep. They're going to be all over me. You're going to see the best James the Gale. I'm going to be as good in the middle rounds as I am in the first round as I am in the 12th round. It's not a problem. Don't worry about it. And what does he do? He switches off. Why does he do rounds. that? Because he knows it's there. Why is it? Why is he doing that? And because he's, he's a fit lad, it's not like it's a lack of fitness. Because he comes back at the end. He comes he does, back yeah. at the end and starts winning rounds at the end. So why is he doing it? I don't know whether it's in his mind he's thinking it's too easy. You know, that's. Well, I don't know whether he's thinking six rounds in the bank, everything's going well. Oof, you know, I'm only halfway through the fight. Have I got it in me to do the same for the? I better. I better take my foot off the gas for a couple of rounds and just, you know, make sure I've got something left in me tank for down the stretch for the championship rounds. I don't know whether that's going through his mind or what, but the fact that he performs like this, not just, you know, this is last three or four fights he's done this, mm. this exact thing, mm. going to sleep and giving those middle rounds away. Are they, are they, you know, I'm, I'm not for a second suggesting I know how to coach James the Gale better than his corner team, but maybe train him to do 15 rounds then. And maybe he should be sparring 15 rounds to know that he can keep the same tempo for 12. But maybe he can't do the same tempo for 12. Maybe. It, it's crazy. It, it really is a psychological thing with him, surely. To, to speak about it before and say, this will not happen. I won't fall asleep from 6 till 10. It won't happen. But then to go and do that means that he knows what the problem is people are telling him what the problem is and he's he's acknowledging it and saying it's being addressed mm. but then obviously hasn't addressed it I'll tell you what ref took a good uh, knock didn't he oh, I'll tell you what what a chin he took it he, he had a bit of a skate he had a little bit of wobbly legs but he stayed <laughs> he up son he, did, he stayed yeah. up son stayed up like a good one yeah <laughs> it's a shame James couldn't stay up himself in that 12th <laughs> round and he'd probably still he'd be the double champion by now it was hilarious afterwards obviously he did the wobbly uh, Badu Jack caught him and, and, and lifted him obviously yeah, but then yeah. just because it happened right at the end of the round it was hilarious his face he's got the towel he's toweling himself down he's getting the water on it and all this I'm thinking yeah. what a lad exactly. straight back in the mix no messing as soon as he hit him and his legs kind of done a little skate <laughs> when you watch because that, that was the bit I was rewinding to be honest with you because it was mint when he did that little skate and stuff if you look at his face then he got like really angry like he was going to he's going to kick off yeah. <laughs> like he's going to turn around and hit him back and for a split second he was like what the fuck and then as he turned down Jack was like kind of keeping him up and yeah. was obviously saying must have been saying you're alright and then he kind of he, he calmed right down in that instant yeah. give Jack a bit of a hug and stuff and yeah yeah I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine but for a split second then he was going to throw a dig that I imagine that would have been that would have so been class funny. if yeah, he'd yeah. have chucked one back that would have been and apps. dropped him imagine if he'd have dropped Badu Jack <laughs> that would have been sense. Would, would we have? I would, I would have just said, right, give him the belt. That's like, it. If he's done that, give him the belt. Absolute worldy. Super, <laughs> mate. When the result comes in, obviously the first thing is that there's a little bit of, oh, it's a draw. We hate draws. We want a distinctive winner, mainly for Callum Smith, I suppose. We want a distinctive winner. Exactly. So we know where. That's who, what I was thinking of. That uh, was the first thing I thought. So of. we know who he's getting next. However, was a draw brilliant for British boxing? The reason why I say that is because James DeGale's still IBF champion. Yeah. We know full well that Groves is going to be fighting Chudanoff, date to be arranged for the WBA version of this particular belt. Yeah. Um, 
the WBC is still held, of, of course, by Badu Jack. We now know that the WBC have issued, listen, you've got to fight uh, your mandatory challenger, Callum Smith, go on, get, get negotiating. But we've heard that Badu Jack will be stepping up in weights, therefore leaving that title vacant. Mm-hmm. And therefore, Anthony Durrell might be the next boy um, to take on Callum Smith. So therefore, by the middle of this year, the super middleweight division could have three British, British. champions. Exactly. Exactly, and you know what? I, w- I certainly wouldn't bet against it. Don't get me wrong. Chudanov's a tough test yeah. for George Groves, but I like George Groves 2.0. I like this new George Groves. He's, he's With Shane McGuigan, he best. looks mint, doesn't he? He does. He looks really good, yeah. He's back to the George Groves that you know that pushed Frock so hard in that first fight. Um, so I like that fight. You know my personal opinion on Callum Smith. I think he's absolutely mustard. I just, from a personal point of view, you know, I, I just hope that Callum Smith gets the fight here in the UK. Hopefully in Liverpool. I, I think the Darrell fight. Mainly because you don't like travelling. You're a lazy well, guy. Exactly. Yeah. You just want to go get five out your slippers. My, five <laughs> minutes from my front door. Yeah, exactly. But the Darrell fight, you know. It, categorically, it's a it's a winnable fight for him. But and I get what you're getting. More you know, more winnable than Badu Jack. Um. I think Badu Jack, to be honest with you, I think both those both those guys struggle against Callum Smith. Uh, I think he's too big. I think Badu Jack, to be honest with you, he's there to be hit, and I think Callum Smith would hit him, and he would hit him hard. Uh, I'm a bit like you, as you know, I, I, as that's the second time I've really watched Badu Jack, you know, intently now, and yeah. uh, the second time I thought, mm, you know, he's there to be t- he's there to be done. You know, yeah. he can be outworked, he can be hit, and hit hard. And, uh, you know, I believe Callum Smith hits a lot harder than James DeGale as well. So. I mean, the shot that put him down wasn't a hard shot, in my opinion. No, he was totally off ballast, wasn't yeah. he? Badu he was Jack square. was caught square Very on. Similar yeah. to Tony yeah. Bellew, I suppose, in, uh, in, at Goodison. Yeah, he was caught square on. Obviously, Bellew got hit with a <laughs> he got hit a, a, lot a harder. good shot, yeah. a, a good straight shot, but he was squared on. The DeGale one, DeGale kind of lunged forward with a bit of a, a choppy right, like a, a pushing right hand yeah. more than anything, which is why Jack kind of stood up and was like, and what that, that that hasn't hit me at all, but it was, a, it was a, that's the frustrating thing, man. It was a great start from De Gale. It couldn't have gone any better. Yeah. The first first five rounds couldn't have gone any better, mm. any better. It's like oh, he's, he's so frustrating, so frustrating. And maybe that's why, you know, is that why we don't want to pay to see him? Is that why we don't want to? Well, let's talk about his popularity, man. Do, do you think that fight has helped his popularity at all? No. I really don't, mm. because again, you you know, you feel like banging your head against the brick wall because he's got all this ability and all this talent. Yeah. And at times he looks magnificent. You know, he uses that southpaw. He, he switches from southpaw to orthodox. He moves so nicely. His footwork is great. He, his shot selection is very good. Mm. But he's a six-round fighter. Is he a six-round fighter? Mm. You know, watching for. That's what I feel like with James the Gale now. His highlights are the first six rounds of every one of his fights. Just don't watch the second six rounds because he fucking stinks the yard out. He seems to be more popular in America than he is here. I mean, the guys at Showtime yeah. seem to love him, don't they? You know what I mean? I mean, he's on, he's on there all the time. They love to yeah. pay for his fights and they stick him on there on a regular basis. And, and you know, the Mayweather camp, you know, they're doing all he can to They want to sign now. him. They want to sign him. They want to take him on, yeah, which which surprises me because, yeah. it, saying that, outside of the ring, he, you know, he is quite a flamboyant character, you know, James. He, he is kind of like a cocky character. And maybe that's something what we don't... We don't, from a British fight fan perspective, maybe that's something we don't relate to. Maybe. You know, we've always related to more to the Ricky Hatton style, haven't we? The lad that goes for a drink in his corner pub yeah. after the fight and has a full English and a greasy spoon and, you know, grew up in a working... You know, all that kind of thing. We we kind of relate to that more 
than James the Gale driving around Miami with a big flashy car and wearing gold gloves and yeah. all that kind of stuff. That's not something we're receptive to, is it? As Brits, that's not something that's in us. You know, we don't. We like to see Amir Khan get necked out because Amir Khan likes to flaunt the fact he's in Dubai and he's getting flown here <laughs> and he's on private jets and stuff like that. You know, and then as you say, the flip side of that is we'll we'll we love. As bonkers as he is, we love Tyson Fury because yeah. there's videos of him trying to jump over gates in farmers' fields, <laughs> falling on his ass and stuff like that. We yeah. love him for it. We yeah. love him for it because we can relate. That's what we do. That's like similar to what our lives is. So, you know, James the Gale, he comes back and fights. You know, I think the for now, I think he's out. Obviously, he's going to be out for at least six months or with a thought because he was pretty busted up at the weekend. Uh, I expect Callum Smith to fight for the vacant belt, hopefully late spring. Uh, and then the Gale fight probably later on in the summer. Mm. If it even happens this year now, I don't know. James the Gale might go on a different route. I could see if Groves win the WBA belt. I can see Groves the Gale happening in London now for the unification fight yeah. before I can see Callum Smith getting in the mix, to be fair. But you know what? As long as Callum Smith gets that green and gold, boy, I, I, it doesn't bother me. I've created a list of, the, uh, of British things that are more popular in America uh, than they are in actual Britain. <laughs> Okay. In in essence of uh, James DeGale, because I think he is. I think he is more yeah, popular yeah. in America I mean, yeah, than he is over. You'd probably argue Amir the same. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so Downton Abbey. Crap. Yeah, it's shit, isn't it? It's a, it's I don't. Awful. I don't get Downton Abbey. I don't understand why it's people awful. watch. It's nonsense. But in America, they absolutely wank over it. They can't get enough of it, mate. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay, he's a dickhead, oh, but they love yeah. him in the states, don't they? Well, we fucked him off. We threw him out <laughs> of this country, and, and they've scooped him up, and they mm. absolutely adore him. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah, know why. Yeah. Ricky Gervais, he's another one. Oh, I like Ricky Gervais. Do you? Come on, they love Ricky. I, I think they like him more in the States. Mate. They do, yeah, yeah. But here's, here's the one. Here's the one, right? This is this is where I'm putting James DeGale, right? Because he's a gooner as well. Piers fucking Morgan. That's oh, him. Yeah. They yeah. love him over there. Over here, you can piss off, son. Go and hang out with Trump, you dickhead. That's yeah, exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. They can fucking have him. Did you, here's a stat for you. When I was doing the research on stuff that's uh, British, that's more popular in America than it is in uh, the UK, I don't know whether this is sheer size or sheer volume of people in America. Um, but did you know that they sell more Newcastle brown ale in America than they do in actual the UK? Really? Really, man. Wow. That's big, that, isn't it? I lived in Newcastle for a spell. It's, uh, you know, it, it looks and tastes like dirty dishwater, so, you know, that doesn't, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise it, me, to be honest with you. Every, every Geordie listening to this now has just literally spat their Nuki brown and their uh, peas pudding all over their phones. No, mate, they're, they're, they're listening to us at breakfast time. They're Nuki Brown and Cheerios, that's what it is. They're, they're not <laughs> yeah. use milk. They're rock hard they're up the there, man. Rock spitting hard. out their bacon stotties right mm. now. How dare you say something like that? Because that's obviously how Geordie, that's a posh Geordie that was. But, uh, but yeah, that doesn't surprise me either because that tastes like shit, that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Just a final note on this fight of the weekend between DeGale yeah. and Jack, which was the unification bout, obviously, for the super middleweight division. WBC, IBF titles on the line. I've just been looking through history of Brits that have gone to the States for a unification bout, and there isn't much to really write home about, really. There's only a couple that I've picked out that lived up to the expectation. All the expectation this week was that DeGale was going to put on a show and he was coming on with both belts. It it didn't materialise. We got a good fight, don't get me wrong. It was a good fight, I enjoyed it. Um, But in my opinion, DeGale threw it away. He should have won both of those belts, but his own um, silliness in the middle rounds cost him, in my opinion. You yeah. might have a, a, a total dis- no, different I, I opinion. Completely agree, yeah. However, I've had a little bit of a look down the history books, and you might remember uh, Lewis Holyfield too. Do you remember that one? Yeah. The second one that was in Vegas in '99. For me, I think there was three belts actually on the line that time. I think Holyfield had two of them, 
WBA and IBF. Yeah, and I think uh, was WBC. WBC. Yeah, yeah. Had the WBC. Yeah. And obviously uh, Lennox went over there and did a job on him the second time round. Sensational stuff. Because was the first one a draw? It was, wasn't it? The first one was in uh, New York, I think. Madison yeah, Square yeah, Garden. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and obviously Lennox did the business there. So that's the, one of the ones that live up. The other one, and people will hate me for this because we do give him a little bit of a bashing on this particular show. But do you remember when Amir Khan uh, beat Zab Judah? Oh yeah. There you go, 2011 Vegas. That was for the WBA and IBF titles. Really? And he took him out in six rounds. That's another one that lived up. Everything else has never lived up to it. Obviously, Ricky Atten took your belt over, got sparked. Yeah. Um, and there's been various other uh, occasions. Like, even Prince Nazim, when he became... I was going to say, did Naz not unify? Naz did unify, but that fight stunk, man. It stunk out. I mean, they were wrestling in that fight and all sorts of stuff. It wasn't a flashy performance from Prince Nazim. He did do it. He did unify, I think it was the featherweight division. Yeah. Um, but for me, those are the two that stick out. The ones that lived up where you go, yeah, the Brits gone there and they've snaffled it. They've proper done it, like, you know? Yeah, I was a, always a big fan of Naz. Was that yeah, the, of course. Uh, I'm trying to think when he did go over there because he fought, he fought Billy Hardy for two two titles in Manchester. I was at that event. Uh, when was the unification fight? Oh, Soto. That's it, Soto. Soto. Soto with, yeah, with the wrestling thing. Yeah, when he blooming flipped him over the back of his head and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That wasn't, uh, wasn't a great Horrible fight, fight that, to be honest with Horrible. you. Horrible. It wasn't a typical Prince Nazim fight. He couldn't take... To be fair, at the end of that fight, from my recollection, he did put it on him, but he couldn't find that killer punch to take him out, which we all expect Nazim to do. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. There's my two. Anything stick out for you? Because it, it does seem one of those that we just come up a little bit short when it when we go to the States for these big unification bouts when we come up against these big Americans. Yeah, and that's the difference is, of course, that they're used to, they're used to the, the spotlight. They're used the razzmatazz. The, the Showtime cameras, the HBO cameras, they're used to the American press, the way they operate, the way they do business. It's completely different. When you go to a show in Vegas, it's very different from a show here in the UK. You know, yeah. the, the way they run the show is completely different. You know, mm. Sky have a certain way of doing things and... You know, even Box Nation has a way of doing things over here. It's, it's, it's typically British, you know, but when you go over to there, like everything in America, it's bigger, it's louder, it's far more garish, and it takes a little bit of getting used to. And I think that just puts guys on the back foot as well. Plus, do you like, think, do you think, I know we're going to be talking about this next week, and I'm yeah. sorry to flip us on to next week's show, but do you think that is why Carl Frampton with Barry McGuigan has been out in Las Vegas for at least a month? They were, they were there at the start of the year, mate, and they don't fight till the end of the month, just to get used to it all. Yeah, and they're doing the right thing. And you know what, Irish fighters have been doing that for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. as well you know they, Andy Lee obviously based himself out there Steve Collins spent most of his career based in uh, based in America and that's the exact reason you know it's just to make yourself in tune with the American market so you'd almost become an American fighter which is probably why Naz, you know uh, sorry more recently Amir Khan's yeah. had good success and why James DeGale's getting these type of opportunities these are guys that have had to that have moved to the US to ensure they get the kind of coverage and the big fights and everything that comes with it mm. so it's, it's just a completely different way the, the way boxing is over there is different from here. You know, you, if you're based there, you're more like a home fighter. You get treated like a home fighter. Whereas for now, you know, the likes of, um, you know, our guys got like when Naz went over there and stuff, and Naz was just based here. He's a stranger in a foreign land, then quite literally. The press don't know him, the TV execs don't know him, and so they treat him differently. Whereas over here, of course, you know, all the guys have a relationship with Adam Smith and the guys at Sky Sports. Yeah, of Everyone the fights on Sky, they get on, they know each other, they have a bit of banter and all that kind of stuff, and it relaxes you and calms you down. And then suddenly you go over there for a unification fight, you know, nobody, everyone knows you, apparently, but you know nobody. You're out of fish out of water, and I think that's probably why we've come short more often than not. Um, just as we finish on the DeGale Jack um, 
conversation. We did speak to Callum Smith this week for our radio show, which is on Radio City Talk in Liverpool. Um, we do allow you to download that for absolutely free. It is there on our podcast feed. So if you subscribe to our podcast, you will get that. You'll see it in your feed. Callum Smith's on there. And Robbie Davis Jr., the man that uh, Nick tipped for 2017 Big Things, is also on that show. Go and have a little bit of a nosy. There's more on Badu Jack and uh, James DeGale on that particular download. Go and have a little bit of a listen. You can hear from Callum Smith and his thoughts on who we will be facing next as a WBC mandatory. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Now then, obviously we've spoke Jack DeGale. We've got excited about Jack DeGale because of what that means for Callum Smith coming up next. Yep. But I hate to say I told you so. Well, we told you so. Last you were right, buddy. You brought it up. You do, you the one that called it last week on last week's show. You said, anyway, forget about the main event. Let's talk <laughs> about the co-main event. And mm, I was like, else. yeah, yeah, you're right. Let's talk about it. And boy, did he arrive. He's something else, isn't he? To be fair, when I watched him all week doing the media and the press and all that type of stuff, he seemed quite quiet. Oh, I thought his bottle had gone in. Yeah, he seemed really quiet. He seemed yeah. really down. But maybe that's because Floyd took over for him. Floyd kind of took all that. He yeah. went, listen, man, I'll take care of that shit. You just deal with what you've got do to do mm-hmm. in the ring, man. And boy, he came to the party. He was smiling. It was like, shit, this kid comes alive when the first bell goes. Exactly. I, I spoke to Gareth Davies, obviously a good friend of ours, tele- Telegraph's boxing reports. I spoke to him while he was out there because I even mentioned it to him. I said, that Javonta Davis is the guy I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to see if he can continue this incredible you know, knockout run this undefeated record against the kid that's never been in world class against Pedraza because you know we we mentioned it last week. We both rank Pedraza very highly in this super featherweight division. Certainly one of the top top five in a, in mm. what is a killer's row. This division, this super featherweight division, is absolutely packed to the rafters. And we both had Pedraza right up there near the top. Uh, so this was a massive test for Davis, but. Uh, you know, as I say, I spoke to Gareth about it, and I said, you know, he, he, he's he's look. I'm watching videos here. I'm seeing countdown, and you know, I'm reading interviews and stuff. And he, his kid hasn't come out of his shell. Has his bottle gone? Because I'd never really followed him. Yeah. You know, pre-fight or post-fight before. I'd just seen him in action and and loved what I've seen. And Gareth said, yeah, I don't. You know, he's just a super quiet kid. All he keeps saying is, I'll do my talking in the ring. I'll do my talking in the ring. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see. But the hype behind them and the hype that Floyd made where there's building behind them is making everyone here, you know, and the American press at all super yeah. excited. So, you know, I'm I'm excited. But for me, from the outside, for seeing him for the first time, he looks like he, he doesn't want to be here. But phew, I'll tell you what, does he love being here when he's in that ring or what? Jeez. He was awesome, wasn't he? He was absolutely Mate, brilliant. I, I was gobsmacked. Pedraza, the thing that, the big thing in Pedraza's artillery is his jab. He di- I don't know whether Pedraza just forgot to use it, but he di- he wasn't allowed to use it, man. The kid no. the kid was inside him straight away and he was chucking bombs all, all over. So. But the, the best thing about it is that it wasn't messy. You know, when sometimes you, you can freeze on that stage, you can just get in there, you can sniff somebody's hurt or you can sniff that you've got an opportunity. The kid's 22 years of age. Let's just nail that down. He's 22, mm-hmm. first world title shot. You get in there, you, you, your work can be a little bit messy, you, you can get overexcited, you can rush stuff. He's taking his time, he's smiling at him, he's moonwalking, he's having a laugh at him. You're thinking, who the fuck is this guy? Exactly. Unbelievable. Not on, and we mentioned this on our UFC show with Cody Garbrandt. Mm-hmm. Not only very similar, very, very similar sim- performance, mate. It's the, it's the year of the neck tattoo. We are getting down the <laughs> tattoo, is mate. Let's yeah, get a yeah. neck tattoo, right? Yeah. The, the, this kid has gone in there. He's taking it all in his stride. His, his fists have done the talking, but he's put a show on, and the world has now gone. 
this is the kid, man. Yeah. Invest in this kid because he is the future. Big time, big time performance. And uh, as you say, he was hating Pedraza, really hating him, big uppercuts, mm. incredible, you know, lead right hands. It was it was coming from everywhere, and he was picking shots, arms down by his waist, rolling his hip, rolling his uh, shoulders round, literally having the time of his life in there. And Pedraza just had no no answer. He, well, he tried, he didn't he? In four, he, he tried. He, tried. He, could. He, he pushed forward. He, yeah. tra- he changed. He must have gone through about three or four different, different game tactics. Plans, yeah, because he, he tried to reinvent himself every other round, <laughs> do something different. But Davis just he was just too quick for him, way too powerful for him. Yeah. And uh, you know the kid. The finish. Like the finish is something life. else, isn't it? It's an unbelievable finish. Chilling. That kind of power is just like chilling, isn't mm. it? You know, you you could see Pedraza was absolutely rocked to his boots, but the fact that Dave Davis had hit him four or five times before the finish actually came, yeah. as you say, never rushed in, never panicked. Twenty-two year old in his first world title fight. Yeah, you're Floyd Mayweather in your corner. You're live on American TV. You know the spotlight couldn't be bigger. And he's rocking this guy and taking a little step back and having a look, looking to his corner, you know, <laughs> enjoying, savoring the moment. And it's it's times like that when you just think, my God, this kid's special. Now, this kid is absolutely special. I'm going to put it on you, mate. I'm going to put it on you. You know what I'm going to do now? Because obviously this is the youngest uh, current active champion, 22 years of age, the new IBF champion in the super featherweight division. Yep. Your boyfriend is also in this particular division. <laughs> Vasil Lomachenko is the WBO <laughs> champion. The, you mentioned it right at the start of this. This is a division full of killers. WBC is the is Francisco Vargas. He's the champion there. Orlando Salido wants a piece of him again because they give us a super fight at the start of last year. Let's get that back on again. Jason Souza, he's the WBA champion. Lomachenko's the WBO champion. You've also got Takishi Mura, Takishi Uchiyama, Nicholas yeah. Walters. All right, he lost his heart in the last fight, but he might come back sh- with bombs. Don't repeat that name. In this all right, show. all right, all right. But he's still there. He's still in the mix of it. Jazreel Corrales is the uh, super champion at WBA. Listen, man, I don't care. I don't care about the rest of them. Let's get it on now. Javonta Davis, Vasil Lomachenko. Let's do it. Let's do it now. I like it. <laughs> I like it. How can I not like it from a fight fan perspective? Of course, you know, that's that would be the fight in this oh, division. Mate. Absolutely. You know, if I'm if I'm if I'm team Mayweather, I don't rush a twenty two year old, the youngest world champion presently in the world. I don't rush him in with Vasily Lomachenko. For me, Lomachenko I've said it before, pound for pound, number one in the world right now. Uh, I think he, I think Lomachenko's probably got bigger fish to fry, and you know we're talking chasing about Pacquiao. B- bigger fights down the line yeah. for him, yeah. You know, a, a 22 year old kid that hits this hard. I think this is the very beginning of uh, Javante Davis's career. I think he's, you know, don't get me wrong, he's in world class now, so he, he he's took a massive step up, but. You know, that's not a fight I'm necessarily pushing to see now. I think I want to see Lomachenko go for go for bigger, bigger scouts. Do you not want him to get hurt? Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be I'll be honest. Obviously, Lomachenko for me is the best on the planet. I think he does a number on. Uh, I think he'll do a number on Young Davis. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a shadow. Do you think? He, yeah, do you think yeah. he stops him, or do you think he beats him over twelve? Uh, he'd probably beat him over the twelve. Yeah, I think he's looks tough. He looks tough. He looks like a tough kid. Yeah. But he doesn't need that fight right now. Javante Davis does not need Vasily Lomachenko right now. Javante Davis. All them names you've just mentioned be- below Ooh, Lomachenko. Serious. That's what he needs. Clean, clean house, man. Crack on. There's plenty of opponents out there. There's plenty of massive opportunities and big fights out there as well. I'd like to, to be honest. I'd like to see him fight Nicholas Walters. 
I think that's a good Only because you don't like Nicholas Walters well, and you want to get him knocked out. I want to see Nicholas Walters getting knocked out. <laughs> For his for his cowardly act against Lomachenko, where he quit, but uh, but there's some great there's great fights there. There's actually there's absolutely great fights there for Javante Davis to build. And the great thing is he's age 22, so you know this isn't the only division that's probably he's going to grace Jordan's career. You know, lightweight is yeah. probably next, but I just want to see this guy fight, man. I want to see him fight again. You know, first thing I did on on Monday after Monday evening once the kids had gone to bed. I hit YouTube and was just looking for more Javonta Davis knockouts yeah, after man. that performance. It mm. was uh, I wasn't. outstanding. Kid's I went, a superstar. I went online looking for neck tattoos, mate. That's what yeah. I went. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you going to get? You're going to get fight disciples. I'm going to get one right across my throat, mate. Right across the Adam's apple, so it moves every time I talk. That's I'm, I'm, I'm getting high tech. No, on my, yeah. <laughs> The high-tech sign. The high-tech sign across your neck. (laughs) This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Now then, away from recent action um, on Saturday night, obviously, um, we turn our attention to fights that have been made in 2017, and it's already hot enough. We've already spoke about what's happening here in Britain. There's some absolutely sensational bouts. We're dead excited um, for this weekend for uh, your tip Robbie Davis Jr he's yep. in action this weekend hopefully a coming of age fight for him on ITV the week after we're all excited about Frampton mm-hmm. taking on Leo Santa Cruz we'll be speaking to Barry McGuigan on the show next week so make sure you subscribe to the podcast don't miss out on that interview Barry's in great form at the moment he's stable he's flying Josh Taylor obviously the boy uh, Frampton it's going to be a sensational chat we'll have him on the show next week but away from our shows there's also fights being made elsewhere yep. Uh and the biggest one probably over the last seven days since we last spoke is Canelo Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Uh, did you like that? I chucked in a little bit of Gareth Davis' uh, Mexican accent there. Um, Cinco de Mayo weekend. Wow. Um, it's, it's sensational because it's a Mexican holiday. Everybody is going to be absolutely high as a kite. Uh, where wherever this fight is uh, made, they haven't even announced a, a venue yet, whether it's Vegas or Dallas or Mexico or wherever it is, but it's happening Cinco de Mayo weekend. Canelo... Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I have one problem with it. Because the fight itself on paper, you go, fucking hell, that's unbelievable. Yeah. But catch weight Canelo's back again. And he annoys the living daylights out of me with this, man. Just fight at a weight. Just fight at a, a, a proper weight. Stop trying to shoehorn it in. So therefore, it's quite obvious that you are now gaining an advantage on your opponent. Because for me, 164 and a half pounds, that's the catch weight that these two are going to be fighting at. Yeah. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. comes in dead at the weight, mate. And and therefore, you know what I mean? It goes past five rounds, it's over. Job done. Mm -hmm. And that, for me, is upsetting for the fan because people will pay big money for it. It'll be a big pay-per-view thing. We'll be sold it by Golden Boy. Everybody will be buzzing about it. Wait, 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 wait. And then the reality will come in and he'll run out of gas because he's dead at the weight at 164.5 pounds. This is a guy that's failed to make 168 pounds on a couple of occasions. Exactly, yeah. He fought at light heavyweight. Uh, just last year, you know, I think it was, and or 2015. Anyway, he was fighting up at light heavyweight. Mm. So, you know, this. To be honest, truth be told, this fight's probably a, you know, it's probably outdated by a couple of years. You know, Chavez is uh, not really the contender that he once was. But you know what? There's nowhere on the planet I would rather be on May the oh, mate. Wherever they, wherever they put this fight, well, you I, want I to be thought they'd been confirmed for for Vegas for the they, T-Mobile Arena. I they, thought they may have done. They that, may yeah. have done. when I was when I was looking at this a couple of days ago. It hadn't they hadn't confirmed the venue, but yeah, they may have I think done it's that. confirmed for May. Yeah, May the sixth, isn't it? Obviously. Yeah, yeah, that but, weekend. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be in Vegas, and you know what? More than anything, I would love to be in Vegas that weekend with all them Mexicans. You know, on that big Mexican bank holiday oh, weekend, man. sensational. Because to bring two two Mexican boxing icons of this era together, 
for a fight on like the Mexican this. Bank Holiday oh, weekend. Goodness, yeah. it's just going to be absolutely insane. What do you make of the catch weight from Canelo's point of view? Because this is a man that was the 154 pound champion two weeks ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's obviously relinquished his belt, steps up or whatever he's doing, and this is a man that everybody's talking about Triple G. And then there's arguments about the weight there with Triple G. Like, they were mourning about catch weights and all sorts of stuff. 160 pounds, can they make this, can they make that? And then they've come out and says, well, yeah, actually, Canelo can make 164.5. It just, it just, the whole thing, even though I love it, it, it just looks like Golden Boy are just conning the fans a little bit. Because the fans want Triple G. Let's just do the Triple G fight. Yeah, yeah. Stop it with your excuses about weights or whatever it may be that the reason is. Yeah. Just come out and be honest. Say, listen, we're not ready for him yet. Just say that. Just say it and then we'll leave you alone. Yeah. But don't create bullshit and then go make a fight at 164.5 pounds when your original argument about Triple G was about weight. Yeah, exactly. And, it, you know, it, it stinks again of another hand-picked opponent yeah. for Team Alvarez. You know, it's not the fight that we want. You know, Alvarez said in the ring after the Liam Smith fight, I'm not a scared. I'm not scared to fight Triple G. I'll fight Triple G. Mm. Triple G can't do any more in, in regards to push for this fight. He mentions Alvarez in every interview he does. He mentioned, I've never seen Triple G turn down a fight, actually. He just, he'll, he'll fight anyone. But he knows this is the big fight out there. This is that first real legacy building fight that he needs to, you know, as fight fans, we know Triple G's right up there. We know Triple G's, there's an argument for being top three pound for pound. A lot of people think he's number one pound for pound. But he needs these defining fights so his legacy is actually goes down in history as oh remember when he beat Alvarez remember when he beat that's what Triple G's badly lacking but unfortunately Alvarez is exactly the same he's had one real defining career fight you know the big moment in his career I'm not counting the fact that he beat Shane Mosley Shane Shane Mosley was 65 at the time you know and beating Ryan Rhodes and Matthew Hatton and Austin Trout and you know even Miguel Cotto the guy was 64 years old when they fought. And at the wrong weight. Exactly. They, they, they're not the fight. You know, he stepped up once. He had that big opportunity against Floyd Mayweather, and he came up short. Yep. So where does Sal, Saul Alvarez rank in regards to his legacy? What's he leaving behind? Beating up Julio Cesar Cervez Jr. might mean something in Mexico, and it might have meant something, to be honest. As I say, two years ago, that fight means something. But doing it now when Chavez is kind of... Really, his career's just gone by the wayside. I say fighting at light heavyweight the last time he was in any kind of title action. You know, fought once, I think, last year. It's it's hardly the stuff of building Alvarez's legacy, and mm. that's the frustrating thing. And as you say, man, if you're going to do this fight, just do the Triple G fight. Do you think just they will this year? I think it's going to be unavoidable, mate. I think they have to, the next fight after this. I just think Mexican fight fans as well will be going off. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. I thought, you, you know... This is embarrassing because even Triple G said, you must be embarrassed. Call yourself a Mexican warrior. I'm standing here. Fight me. I'm the best fight for you. And he said, oh, yeah, I'll fight Triple G. And then they go and make a max against uh, Chavez. You know, it's embarrassing for Team Alvarez. And it's embarrassing for Mexican fight fans that the poster boy of Mexican boxing of this era, right now, is ducking the big boy. is, is, Is ducking the biggest fight out there. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Uh, in other news, Dillian White has vacated the uh, British heavyweight title. What do you make of that? Well, he's obviously trying to set himself up for the Deonta Wilder fight, isn't he? Yeah. I think, I think inevitably, I think Chisora, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the board had, you know, were about to announce that Chisora is mandatory still and they want to make that fight because, you know, it was a great fight. You know, our listeners 
chose it as fight of the year for 2016. So, you know, we all want to see that fight again. We all want to see round 13, big time. But obviously, when you've got it, when you get a win out of a war like that, when you come through in a battle of attrition like that was, and you're the guy with your arm raised, the last thing you want to do is go back in there again. So uh, I understand why Dillian White's give it up. He obviously believes he can tempt Deontay Wilder over here. Wilder, of course, has spoke about fighting in Britain before because mm. long-term he wants to tempt Anthony Joshua and Tyson well, Fury that, th- into fights. So. This sets up Joshua nicely, doesn't it? A previous yeah. four of Joshua's, this sets it up nicely if you can come through it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's perfect. So it's a big opportunity for Dillian White to use himself uh, in, in the right way and get a shot at the WBC mm. title. So, you know, again, from a, from a British fight plan perspective, I, I want to see round 13 with Chisora because, see, I, I don't think any fight out there, and I include even a wild or anything, you know, I don't think any fight out there mot- motivates Chisora to do what he did in the first fight against anybody else. I don't think we see that Derek Chisora against anybody else. I think for some reason he's motivated to fight Dillian White as he proved in that last fight. He surprised us all with the performance he put in Chisora. I don't think he's got that venom in him, that kind of aggression in him to face anybody else, even if it was a world title fight. Mm. I don't think he's got that motivation to do what he did against Dillian White. I think it got personal and that brought out the best in Chisora. I think the only way Chisora fights like that again is in a rematch with White. But unfortunately, you know, as I say, Dillian White, and I'm not knocking him for it, but Dillian White sees the fact that Wilder wants to introduce himself to this market. So, hey, I'll get myself a WBC title shot. Speaking of uh, world title fights that have been made over the last seven days since we last spoke, Ricky Burns, Julius Ndongo, Glasgow, yeah. April 15th, WBA title and IBF title on the line. Um, we spoke to your boy Robbie Davis Jr. on a radio show. He thinks that Ricky Burns will come this through, come through this quite easily. He's in Glasgow, mate. There'll be some brown envelopes knocking about. <laughs> what the? There'll be some brown envelopes knocking about for Ricky. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's a, you know, at the end of the day, it's a unification fight for Ricky. So don't knock it. You know, this, no, is, mate, a, this is a chance to add a second belt to his world title belt. You know, it's it's phenomenal to see how far Ricky Burns has come when his career hit the rock slightly a couple of years ago. Mate, he was on three, four straight defeats, weren't it? <laughs> it was unreal. over. It was over. Unreal to now be Fair a, play, a two, you know a two-time world champion about to go for a you know, a unification fight. And, you know, as as Robbie Davis mentioned as well, Ndongo was no absolute superstar. You know, he shocked the world when he won the title uh, Superman in, in December yeah. with that once-in-a-lifetime lottery punch knockout that we actually we, we did be shortlisted in the end, but we'd certainly considered it for for knockout of the year. We'd certainly mentioned it, didn't we, yeah. when he uh, when he caught Trojanovsky. Um, but that fight, no one's seen that coming. No one's seen that knockout coming. That's not... A typical Indongo performance. So this is a real winnable fight for Ricky Burns as well. I think if if Ricky Burns turns up, and we know the Scottish crowd, the, the Glasgow crowd, we know they'll turn up. Uh, I think it's going to be a massive night, a massive night. Speaking of weird ones, Manny Pacquiao's off to Australia, mate. He must have got a part in neighbours. He's uh, he's off to Melbourne to defend his WBO uh, championship against Jeff Horn. That's right, man. Jeff Horn, yeah, yeah, the uh, he's unbeaten, and he didn't he represent Australia at the Olympics. Yeah. And, uh, you know, How many people is... Google Jeff Horn's name when they found out that this exactly. was Manny Pacquiao's next fight? Exactly, this is uh, this is the retirement tour. But you know, we, we it... spoke about this before. Yeah, what, what, what's Manny doing? You know, he doesn't need the money. He can't need the money. You know, he must have made he must have made over two hundred million dollars. But he's, he feeds he feeds dollars. half of the Philippines, mate. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he's got exactly, a sort. He's yeah. got to get some cash from he's somewhere, hasn't he? Up the Philippine economy. Yeah. That's what he is doing. Yeah. If he wasn't fighting, they'd go under. So mm. he's got to get out there and do a business. And to be fair, 
this stinks of cash, mate, because they will be paying him a fortune to go to Australia to fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, completely, completely. And it wouldn't surprise me if he, you know, his next fight's in Dubai and then he'll probably go to China. UK. UK's a big fight here, mate. There's a lot of money here in the pay-per-view for Kel Brook, for example, or Amir Khan. There's a, there's money there if he wants but it. There's, but there's risk involved as well. You know, I don't think that's not necessarily on Manny's agenda, you know. I think he wants to stay relevant by beating up the likes of Jeff High Hall. reward, low risk. Exactly. And, and he keeps himself relevant just in case... Uh, just in case Floyd and Conor McGregor can't happen, he wants to keep himself relevant to be that 50th opponent for Floyd Mayweather, the, the true money fight in world boxing. I think that's the only reason it's for. And in the meantime, while he uh, he's just going to keep himself busy, filling his bank accounts, preparing himself for the day when he uh, follows Donald Trump's lead and becomes <laughs> president of the Philippines, because it'll happen. It's no, going to happen. No, absolutely, will do. Uh, you just mentioned Floyd and Conor there. We will be speaking about the circus coming to town. It's getting closer yeah. um, on our UFC show, so make sure you subscribe We've to got to podcast. talk about it now, Adam. We've got to talk about it seriously as well. Mm, absolutely we do, because it's not going away. It's like a shit that won't flush, mate. You can try. <laughs> it ain't going anywhere. It's a floater. <laughs> Keeps coming back up. Keeps coming back up. Anyway, it's going to be on our UFC show, which is available tomorrow. Make sure you hit subscribe uh, on iTunes to Fight Disciples and you'll get that show absolutely free. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Uh, Now then, before we clear off, there'll be people that listened to last week's show dead excited of the fact that we are going to be speaking to a special guest. Mm -hmm. Nick surprised me at the end of last week's show because you've uh, you've tracked someone down that is uh, on for a world record, my friend. Give us a little bit of context. Give us a little bit of background of your new mate. Steve Ward, he's, uh, he's the world record holder for being the oldest active professional boxer. Wow. You know, he, no one has, he, you know, he's, he's made, well, he, he's, in the, he's in the Guinness Book of Records for being the guy with the record, and he's about to break his own record in the next couple of weeks by fighting once again. He's now age 61. <sighs> the fight is happening here in the UK. You come to Sutton in Ashfield, and apparently that's where the fight's happening. Love it. Let's get him on the phone, man. Let's have a little bit of a chat with the dude. Hi. How are you? Are you good? I've just got back from a 10-mile run. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Fantastic. What a lad. Fantastic. Superb, mate. Superb. Oh, yeah, I've just done a 10-mile run after a training session. Fair play, man. man. It don't get no easier, I'll give you that. <laughs> Listen, Steve, I've, I've just had a look at your record. Obviously, you packed it in in 1987. What, yeah. ma- what made you come back? Right, the reason actually was, I've always been a fit guy. Now, you imagine being fit all your life, and then all at once you have an accident at work, and they told me I was never going to walk again. Wow. wow. I had uh, I worked at Tarmac, I had a ton of the quarter lump of concrete fall on me foot. <sighs> that was in 2006. And I was under specialist after specialist. I went to Harley Street and everything. And they all said the same. I won't be able to walk very well at all, unaid, ever again. Wow. Now, you can imagine how that put me. It put me into deep depression. Yeah. I was nowhere. I was devastated. I was putting weight on. I went up to about 17, 18 stone. It, it really, it hit me all. Well, I uh, I also do martial arts, and an old friend of mine, martial arts man, he says, my uncle says he can put you right. Well, I was grasping at straws at that time, anything, if anybody had said anything to me, 
if there were a little bit of a chance in it, I would have believed it. Yeah. So he says, uh, my uncle says he can put you right. He says, okay, when do we see him? He says he's in China. He's a surgeon in China. And I thought about it, I thought, yeah, let's go for it. So Rooney, two weeks later, I was flying across to Hong Kong, Kowloon, wow, man. across Pluto. Wow. And I didn't really know what I was going into or anything, but I was that much wanting to get this old something right. Now, what I actually said to people before I went across, I said, if I get my mobility back, I said, I'm going to get back in the ring. I said, trust me, I will get back in the ring. Well, I had a, a series of operations on it over there. I can't actually tell you what they done and what they didn't do because I was under anaesthetic nearly all the time. Mm-hmm. But when I come back, I was walking unaided. It was painful. I was limping bad, but I was walking. Now, I started to train steadily, very, very steadily. So I was noticing I was getting a bit better and a bit better, and I was pushing my cow, as you can imagine. Mm. And it was getting to the stages, I was getting quite lifted, I was getting quite good again. Well, it was time for me to back my mouth up. I said if I had got my mobility back, I'd get back in the ring. Well, I was doing quite well. I was doing three-hour sessions, feeling good. So I did just that. In 2010, I got back in the ring. I went with the EBF, European Boxing Federation. Had my first fight. He just looked like Tyson. I think it were a matter of he was supposed to knock me about, probably stop me, and then I'd I'd go go away with my tail between my legs and never bother people again. But it didn't go that way because I beat him, yeah. and I beat him easily. The next fight, I hit it lucky because I was supposed to be on this bill, and there was a guy on the bill defending his title. The cruiserweight Midlands area title. The guy should have been fighting poor air. So I jumped to the chance and I got in. And I took the title away from him. Brilliant. Yeah. Get in. They, uh, the guy's name was Scott Briggs. Uh, Scott Briggs. He'd been in with David A. Wow. But uh, yeah, I took his title away from him and made it mine. Then I had three more fights for EBF. Won them all outright and made the, the belt mine. I also got the champion of champions belt and the belt of achievement as well. Mate, this is unbelievable. What a story. What a story. Where are you at right now with it all, Steve? Because there's obviously the Guinness Book of Records with your you being a certain age, my friend. And therefore, uh, there's a lot of attention uh, on you. I like the way you, you said that. That's very, very polite. <laughs> You'll go a long way. Uh, listen, because, of, because you are a certain age, there's a lot of attention on you, isn't there? So well, where, where are you at right now with it? What's happened there? Uh, I got the Guinness World Record. I was the oldest active professional boxing champion. I got that in. I'm just looking at it now. The 19th of March, 2011. 
I've become the Guinness World Record holder then. Now, in 2015, February, mm-hmm. I've been out with an injured hand. That's, that's nothing, mate. You couldn't walk five years ago. Stop being soft, right? You couldn't walk five <laughs> well, years ago. Was, well, I'll tell you what, it was a pretty good injured hand, actually, because it got caught in an industrial country. <laughs> I don't do it by half. Yeah, man, you go for it. You go for it. You're like Mr Bean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got, it, uh, I got it right. And this guy, American chap, Mike Palmer, mm-hmm. in 2015, February, he slipped in under the radar. And he took my Guinness World Record. Ooh, nasty. That was a nasty thing to do. How, how yeah. old were you the first time round? The first time round, I can tell you exactly, I was 55 years, 219 wow. days. Superb. So what did he come in at? What was his? What was the next age that he's just taking your title off you at? Uh, let's see. Was he in his 50s or did he moved up to 60s? No, no, he's still in his 50s, late right. 50s. Okay. He took the title in 2015, right. February. All right. In December 2015, I got back in the ring and I got the title back. <laughs> so I'm a double Guinness World Record holder. Mega, man. Mega. And go on, tell our audience, how old were you in uh, December 2015? Uh, I was 60. Man, that is something yeah. else, isn't it? That is something well, else. Well, now, what's happened uh, actually now... The WBC, well, let me tell you the truth about right first. I was upsetting a lot of people because I was fighting at this age. Yeah. And beating the young ones and so forth. So, the WBC, the World Boxing Confederation, have now decided they're going to put a world title belt up and they're going to call it Super Veteran Heavyweight Championship of the world. Wow. And who's fighting for it first off? Me and the American who took the title from me. Mate. Bloodbath. Mate, this is awesome. So when, where, how is this happening? Well, it was supposed to be in Bismarck, North Dakota. Mm -hmm. But the uh, North Dakota Boxing Commission have put the boot in because of the ages. Yeah. So I've done no more. I've brought it to England. Good lad. (laughs) Where it, uh, it's coming there as well to stay. Yeah, I brought it to England. I've gone with a, a promoter called Lee Muratar. He's, mm-hmm. he's done world title fights before. Yeah. He's a promoter from Leeds. And he's putting it on for me. And he said to me, where would I like it? I says, well, in 2010 when I come by, the Mansfield and Nottingham people got round me. Mm-hmm. And they followed me. So I want to give them a little bit of something back. I can't go and shake all the hands individually, but I can make it affordable for them to see a world title fight in wow. Mansfield. Wow, that's and good. I've got to do Mansfield Civic Centre. It's called the Civic Quarter now. And that is on the 8th of April. Brilliant. And the capacity is very small. It's only about 600, maybe just over capacity. But... I'm not making a penny on it. I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing this for Mansfield, Nottingham, more to the point, England. Cool. Yeah, do you be making the way, getting back in them record books? Or because what? It's, it's coming to England. It's the first time it's ever been fought for. So it won't just be a 
Championship of the World, it'll be Guinness World Records on top of that. It'll also go in the history books. Yeah. First time it's ever been fought for, and it's a Nottingham come Mansfield man who's doing it. Steve, what an inspiration, man. The whole story is inspirational. This. It's coming, this is coming to England because the pubilistic art of boxing was formed in England. Mm. And that's where the bug is going to come. I <laughs> 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 love it, Steve. I <laughs> love it. Listen. So, uh, he's six foot seven. He's six foot seven? Yeah, he's six foot seven, 17 and a half stone. Shit, mate. Blimey, mate. Now, I've gone up. I was going to say, I thought my, you were the middleweight, Steve. Fight, pardon? I thought you were the middleweight. My last fight, I was 13 stone nine. Bloody hell, lad. Ordering on cruiser. Yeah, yeah. But I've gone up deliberately now. 16 stone two. Wow. And I tell you now, I'm feeling and I'm looking good. <laughs> <laughs> Phenomenal. When, when I get in the ring, I would imagine that I will be probably 15 seven. Yeah. yeah. So I'll give him the two stone <laughs> and I'll give him the seven inches. All I'm going to say is I hope he's training his body because by God, you're, You're chopping yeah. down the tree, chop man. Down the tree. Chop down exactly. the tree. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Chop, man. Listen, Steve. <laughs> firstly, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, mate. Our audience Not are going to absolutely all. love that. And would you be so kind as to come back on after April the eighth? Because we want to celebrate with you, mate. Yeah, becoming we want the world champion. Record holder on the show. Of course, I tell you what would be nice if you can make it there on April the eighth, mate. Yeah. If you if you're inviting us down, we'll get ourselves down there. No bother. You get down there. April 8th, mate. You, you get down there. And if anybody says anything, just make it known you're friends of me. <laughs> Steve said it was all right. Steve yeah, said it was cool. I've, got, I've suddenly got a feeling, no, Steve, that you yes, walk around Mansfield saying massive, the same thing to everyone. I have a massive procession into the ring as well. Oh, mate. Proper job. I've got me, my wife's the lead lady, like, she comes down with the. Union Jack and oh, love mate. Jack love this. What's your walk to the ring to, yeah, Steve? What's your, what's your ring walk music? Well, my ring walk music's really going to get under his skin. Go on. Because I come down to one of the Rocky themes. The one out Rocky 4 when he's in the snow. Heart oh, on fire. yes. Heart on fire. That's the best one, isn't it? I love it. That's and, it. And I'm not, I'm not changing it just because of him. Exactly. That's my song now. <laughs> Brilliant. It's been a pleasure to speak to you, buddy, and hopefully the training camp, the rest of your training camp goes well. Don't overdo it, because we want you to oh, do a number no. on this, Yank. Oh, he's getting it. Don't, <laughs> don't you worry about that. Legend. On, the, on the, the 8th of April, England goes to war with America. Good on! Yes! 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 Love it, Steve. <laughs> See you in a bit, mate. Ta-da. Thanks, Steve. Take care, buddy. All the very best, my friend. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Uh, thank you very much for downloading this particular show. Hope you enjoyed Steve's story. What an absolute legend he is. Go make sure you're supporting him down in Mansfield. He is going to be world champion, whether whether the Americans like it or not. He's <laughs> taking that belt, mate. What an inspirational guy he is, mate. Superb. Awesome. Makes you feel bad, doesn't it, yeah. when you get a guy in his 60s is, you know, still doing it. Who couldn't walk uh, 10 years ago, you know what I mean? Phenomenal. What a lad. Absolute lad. Um, on next week's boxing show, we will be speaking to the great Clone Cyclone, Barry McGuigan, as we look forward to Carl Frampton in action. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes, so therefore you never miss any of our content. There's two boxing shows for you this week, and of course, there's the UFC show tomorrow. 
So make sure you come and join us. You can also keep up to date with us on a daily basis on our social media feeds at Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.